everyone. Welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. Good afternoon, Frank. How are you doing? Mr. Noah Green, my good friend. Uh, it's good to be back. Just you and I today, just the two man. Um, we've been making some progress. We've had some great guests on Burt Watson, Miguel Torres, Julia Salada. Um, Miguel Torres, and we're going to have a lot of big names uh, coming. So I, I said to you, Noah, we were talking earlier this week. We have sometimes I wish, Noah, that we could bottle up the conversations we have on the phone because some of those are better than the podcast. Like we have, we, we cover, we, we, we solve all the world's problems. We go deep on those phone calls. We might have to find a way to start, um, start video recording some of those calls. We come across some great stuff. But I was saying that it's, it's a blessing right now. Right now we have whatever. 10 subscribers, however, you know, small we are, we are almost one year in. I think you were telling me that, that our one year episode is this, 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 is this the one year? Is this, is this, um, is this one year, this episode or what, what is that? Yeah, this is, I, I would say we're plus minus one. We're, uh, because of, you know, we've, we've taped some episodes and we've just put them on the shelf because it didn't work right or anything like that. So, I hereby declare this is our anniversary episode. Okay, there. so this is one year, <laughs> roughly 52 episodes. Like you said, we've got a few out there that we've held back for editing reasons or whatever. But the good news is we don't have many subscribers. But like I was saying, this there's an opportunity in that for us to refine things, for us to add on in terms of the production, in terms of the technical capabilities, in terms of the, the technology that we're using so we're able to refine it uh, as we go. And I still think that one day when, the, when this podcast does take off, that some of the people will go back and they will look at the earlier episodes. Even though we may cringe when we look back at the earlier episodes. I cringe when I watch the two TEDx talks that I gave. I cringe. I might cringe if I watch Blue Belt Frank or Purple Belt Frank roll. If I have video of that, I might cringe at the mistakes and... But that's life, right? Like we talk about not, you know, paralysis by analysis and perfectionism that paralyzes people. And the, the bottom line is for one year now, we've been doing it. We said we were going to do it. We've done it. We've showed up. We've battled through technical difficulties. We've battled through, you know, we don't have, we're not making use of the best equipment. We've had, um, you know, different things have happened. Life things have happened, right? Things in our own life that were distractions, that were, that were, um, that that were a challenge, and yet we've still stayed the course. We keep showing up. So, yeah, happy happy anniversary to us. Uh, no, we're 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 and, and we're believing in it right now. We don't have a lot of followers and subscribers. We're we're definitely not a household name. We're a no name as a brand, but we're believing in it. And that's part of the magic. That's part of the journey is, you know, faith, as they would say, and, you know, faith is, is, is belief in things not seen, things that are invisible, but there's some force in you. There's something in you that believes this could work. There's something in me that believes this could work. And oh, by the way, like we've said many times, we are going to have these conversations anyway. We're either going to record them so that they have value to other people, so that other people can ask themselves the same questions and explore, you know, 
explore, try to make sense of this life. Or, or, you know, so you and I are talking an hour, 90 minutes a day. I mean, not a day, but but a lot of times every week we're talking. So it just makes sense to start recording that. So um, what do you have, Noah? What do you have at the top of your mind for this week? Uh, you know, unless, I'm going to stay with that mentality of of um, uh, of starting small. Um, I could mis- be misquoting the um, author of this. Uh, or, or the person that's history records is saying this, but um, all things start small. Mm-hmm. And I want to say Cicero wrote that. Uh, uh, if he's also the same one that says, you know, Rome was not built in a day. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, a, a, another version of it. But if I look back in the past year, what has what has changed or, or what has this experience brought of us sitting down and talking to one another? Um, you know, I'll, I'll point out something that might go a little meandering, but I'll try to tighten it up here with um, some people go through psychotherapy and, and psychoanalysis. So, um, and there are branches of uh, in the mental health area where, um, psychotherapy is has a branch is two main branches Cogn, um, cognitive ba- uh, cognitive based therapy and psychoanalysis and in psychoanalysis you you meet for many 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 sessions and go through a topics and, and have discussion um, and that's kind of like the old school Freudian approach model of it and whereas nowadays we have, you know, they call it CBT. And if you want to think about these differences, and I'm getting to my point here in a second, but I want when you have when you go through CBT, there's a defined number of of uh, sessions involved, and they all have specific goals in them. So, like, uh, you're going to do CP, CBT for uh, for one kind of disorder or, or issue you're working with. And then it goes away, you know, and then that goes away. Whereas from my understanding, psychoanalysis, you get in there and you go on a long journey through with a mental health um, expert. And that slowly changes uh, your brain and, and how your outlook in the world. There's a slow process that goes on. And if you I'm going to make an argument for something. I'm sure there's a theory out there that psychologists have studied this and they understand it and they call it something. But as you and I talk every week, uh, whether it's we have a guest on or you and I talk and those who listen to us regularly, our minds are in a way harmonizing. We're, we're starting to develop a, a thought, similar thought processes um, thought patterns and outlooks. So one of the true benefits and joys as both a co-host, uh, but also as a listener to other podcasts is I do notice that my thinking and my approach to life is, uh, is, you know, that slow psychoanalysis, that slow change 
that's occurring. There's a, there's a progressive slow change. You just have to stay with it. Stay with it. You know, uh, upgrading the technology that we have, the equipment, that's coming soon. Um, and that's easy. What's, you know, that's easy to, you know, changing and, and, and changing our, you know, equipment, that's the easy part. The hard part is taking what is a practice between you and I us sharing the same space mentally and me speaking, you listening, and then you pivoting on what I'm saying. And we, and we start to not, not only harmonize, but we're moving our thought processes in a similar way where you take the time to understand how I think and how I express myself. And um, I do the same with you because I want to know you and, and what, what your character is and your personality. Um, so I appreciate this time we have together. That's, you know, that's what's on the top of my mind per se is I, I like to, that's an, something we can expand upon or we can narrow on and, and, and just take it down to, you know, take the water out of it to dehydrated form, you know? Yeah. You, you had mentioned um, Cicero and you gave the quote about starting small. And it reminds me of sort of the Japanese philosophy. The word they gave to us Kaizen mm-hmm. and Kaizen is, you know, basically how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Right. And that elephant for people out there is metaphorical. It's figurative. We're not encouraging anyone to eat an elephant. Um, but you know, we all have, we're all white belts at something. If you're a jiu-jitsu black belt, you started as a white belt. You started thinking, I suck. You started thinking, is this for me? Will my body hold up? Um, and so forth, right? So we're everything. And, and there's a lot, and you and I were talking about this this week, a lot of the best lessons that we will learn in this podcast about how to do it, about the formula that works best for us, a lot of that is the first couple of years of fine tuning, of tinkering, of saying this worked, this didn't. I was too verbose on this. Frank, you went off on another filibuster. It was too much, right? Whatever, right? It's it finding that it's also we're a team. It's finding out what are our roles. How, how do we work better? How do I set you up to make you look good? How do you set me up? How do we how do our strengths complement each other? So. There's a lot of constant tinkering, and we have the luxury of not having a big audience right now, and so we can we can be more experimentative. We can we can be more we can refine more. We can we can figure it out. We can figure things out and refine them without losing credibility, right? If we had this big audience and the and we were you know having technical difficulties and whatever else we're having, trying to find the right recipe, then we might very quickly lose that audience and we might lose some credibility as well. So we have the luxury of, of starting small, of not having a big audience, of being able to experiment and constantly refine and tinker. I wanted to say this because, um, you know, you know that mind jitsu is a, is a thing of mine. I've had the, the, I coined the word mind jitsu over a decade ago and mind jitsu just simply means jitsu means art of, so art of mind. And I was obsessed with, of course, I worked for Ultimate Fighting Championship. I grew up wrestling. I have a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've competed at big tournaments, and I and I, you know, and also I grew up in Baltimore. You know that the streets of Baltimore that were some unforgiving streets. There was a lot of violence. So, and I was this young philosopher at like age thirteen, sitting there questioning God, questioning my identity, questioning 
if God is real, why are, why are bad, why do bad things happen to good people, blah, blah, blah. And so for me, a lot, even a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, most things are from the neck up, right? I mean, the, the old saying, when I, you know, the, the fighters just tell me, you know, fighting is 90% mental. And most of it is from the neck up. It's the mind jitsu stuff, right? It, it's the mindset stuff. Even things in jujitsu. There are a lot of things in jujitsu that aren't just a technique. Everybody wants to learn a technique. They're not just a technique. They're a mindset. If you want to stand up, if you want a great stand up, and I've told you this, Noah, when I've taught you privates, you're a blue belt under Henzo Gracie. When I've taught you privates, when I teach the technical stand up, right, you're on the ground. If you want to stand up, if you want to get up, if you want to return to your feet, first and foremost, that is not a technique. That is a mindset. That is an attitude. A 50% of popping up and being hard to hold down on the ground, if you don't want to be on the ground, 50% of that is the mindset. It's the attitude. Chuck Liddell in his heyday, in his prime, was super hard to hold down. And that was a mindset. That was an attitude. So you and I, we, we look at, you know, part of this podcast, the purpose of this podcast, every man BJJ, right? The every man, the every woman. And the, the idea there was that we... We wanted, we wanted to take these lessons from the mat and see how they translate to real life, to our battles and our struggles off the mat. That's really been a fundamental purpose for this, is how do we use that mind power, that mind muscle, that mind jitsu, how do we use that, the same fighting spirit we have on the mat, how do we have it off the mat? Because this is one thing I learned, and I even learned this training with the best fighters. And by the way, I was, you know, when I say training with the best fighters, I love those fighters, but I don't have to ride their coattails. In my own right, I've paid my dues. I've, I've, I've bled for it. I've suffered for it. I worked my butt off in a room full of alphas. I worked my butt off and trained my butt off and trained through a lot of serious injuries to, to, you know, to be as good as I was as a grappler and as a martial artist. So I've worked on my own, I don't need to name drop anybody. On my own, I've lived this lifestyle. I'm not just talking about this lifestyle. I've lived this lifestyle. But that mind jitsu, I've seen so many fighters, including myself, that were so brave when they went into a cage that would walk through anything and keep coming, and then real life would hit them and they would shrink, and they would be depressed, or they would, they would overreact to things. They didn't have the same poise, the same grace, the same peace, the same confidence off the mats. So our lives, our lives are, we're almost like you, you say to me and other friends say to me, Frank, you're so disciplined. I have friends say, Frank, you're the healthiest person I know. You're the most disciplined person I know. And you know what I say to them, Noah? I say, well, it depends on what we're talking about. It is usually, for most of us, it is compartmentalized. The person who is super disciplined about healthy eating might not be super disciplined about other things. The person who is super disciplined about finances might have other weaknesses where for some reason they're not as able to be disciplined in other areas. Discipline is not necessarily a universal uh, you know, power where we apply it equally to all things. If we're passionate about something and we love something, then we might have the power to be ultra disciplined at that. In other areas of our life where we're less passionate, where we're less interested, we may cut some slack. We may cut some corners. We may not be nearly as disciplined. Also, 
we might be ultra disciplined in one in one in one area because it's a priority and there's only so many hours in a day. We don't all have the time to be disciplined at a hundred things a day, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if finances and be perfect at everything, we're all white belts at something. So anyway, tying it all back together, the purpose of this podcast, and you this was Noah who named it, the purpose of it is to take a look at those things on the mat and how that ecosystem, that unique fighter, martial arts, jiu-jitsu ecosystem, the lessons we learn there and how those become lessons for life. Because you can be phenomenal on the mats and have your life together. And off the mats, we can have a lot of problems, a lot of challenges, and our life can be a mess. Our life can be chaotic. And so it's learning to say, okay, no, let me say one other thing. This is really important. And my brother, my brother who has battled drug addiction, okay? My brother battled drug addiction for most of his adult life. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's got a really good heart. He's super generous. He's charismatic, but he's had his challenges. And one of his challenges was drug addiction. And so he's been up and down and whatever. And, and I remember something he said to me. He said, Frank, sometimes when it gets hard, I think about what you said about your jujitsu journey, where like I draw a lot of power for my jujitsu journey. How do I do that? What I mean is when I'm going through life things, and we won't talk about all those right now, but you and I know each other well, Noah, and you know some of my weaknesses. You know some of the challenges in my life, and I've had areas of my life that were where I was under dramatically underperforming. And one thing I remind myself when things got hard, when I was going through the darkness, when I was like, how do I get out of this? You know, life stuff happening. How do I get out of this? Why haven't I figured it out yet? How do I get out of it? And one thing I think is, you know what, Frank? Right where you are in life, in this crisis, in this challenge that seems overwhelming, in this darkness, guess what? You've been in a similar spot on the mats. You've been on the, how am I going to make it to black belt? How am I going to beat this opponent? How am I going to compete with a fracture in my shin? How am I going to do that? How am I going to compete with all these injuries? How am I going to work around that and still win? I've been in the same spots. And so I remind myself that the, the, the metaphors of like, hey, the same thing, these things that are, that these other problems in our life are just a different ecosystem. But a lot of time, the same principles apply. The same fighting spirit applies. The same, keep your calm, keep your poise, stay relaxed, have confidence. The same things apply and carry over. And so the fact that I was able to figure it out in jujitsu enough to get the black belt, enough to train around injuries, enough to kill the doubts in my voice when I drive home and be pissed and I suck and what am I doing and, you know, think that my jiu-jitsu sucks now, think I'm regressing. All of those challenges I had in jiu-jitsu, I surmounted them. I kept going. I achieved a lot. I achieved things that I didn't, that I, you know, there were even com competitors that I'm like, this guy's way better than me. I go to the world championships with the Pan Americans. This person's way better than me. Or I train with somebody who's a huge name, who's a legend, and I'm, I'm going to get killed. Part of me is like thinking I'm going to get killed, and I don't, and I'm holding my own, and I'm right there. And, and when you go through those things, you realize the same fires you went through there in real life, off the mats, you're just going through the same stuff. And the same way you were able to put those fires out on the mat, and you were able to overcome and keep going and keep climbing, it's the same way in life. And I draw power from that. My brother has drawn power from that. He remembers that analogy. And that's what I think we, you and I, with every man BJJ, are trying to offer to people. We're trying to offer a way to say, train, 
take the lessons and then let those lessons carry over to your life. And you, you know, when you, when you crack the code, when you're figuring it out, then you can share and teach that to your, your kids, your family, your friends, your students, your community. You know, um, it's good that it's good that we have this opportunity to share our lives with others in this indirect way. Um, because what we go through, um, is, is universal. And the time we're spending on the mats is a common language that we can speak to. And if, um, you know, one of the benefits of being a regular listener to the podcast or to this, to this, uh, to this production is that the regular listener listener can take others experiences and instead of having to live multiple lives at a time, which is impossible, obviously you advance yourself and your awareness and you can see subtle nuances of your, of your experience through others. And, you know, this, this, this podcast, I tend to lean heavily in onto the mental health issues. Um, uh, and when I say issues, these are universal as well. In, in a lot of ways, um, you know, Henzo said that um, it's not the average person who walks into uh, a jujitsu academy and stays until they're a black belt. It takes something. It takes someone who has um, who has some stuff going on within them. It, it takes someone who is not living a sheltered and easy life. You know what it, in Hinzo's philosophy, um, it what jujitsu is doing is it's em, empowering you for your life off off the mat. Um, I, I don't know if you ever watched Stuart Cooper uh, in the films he makes. I met him once while I was in Brazil, and he's phenomenal at his films he makes, and um, he just produced one. Uh, with John Danaher doing the voiceover. And John Danaher um, said that uh, the person that you are on the mats is not the same as the person off the mats. You actually are more of the... Jiu-Jitsu only brings out who you really are to begin with. And that's in contrast to what we've said. But the... His, but, Danaher's interpretation makes sense, and it's not exactly uh, in opposition of what the way we present it. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu, your experience on the mats, serves as a metaphor for life and, and how you do things in life. And uh, in John's uh, analysis and, and the way he explains it in uh, Stuart Cooper's uh, film, he says it just gives you more power at the end of the day. It gives you more power. So it makes bad people more powerful. It makes good people more powerful. And um, so instead of we're looking for this dichotomy of, you know, it makes you better or it makes you worse. It actually, it's not a dichotomy. It's think of it more of a, um, of an Eastern ph philosophy of, well, it just brings out more of you. It brings out more of you. 
and the more of you is universal and it's shareable and it's shared. So um, that might sound, that's obviously a bit um, esoteric. Yeah. I would say that, you know, to, to talk about, you know, the sort of that, that I first heard the mat, the mat, the mat don't lie, right? The mats don't lie. I, that's been around for a long time. I think the Brazilians have used a version of that in whatever, in, in Portuguese. Um, but Leo Vieira, who gave Robert Drysdale his black belt, um, you know, I had interviewed him years back, and he's, you know, the mat doesn't lie, right? And and I would say that when we, you know, and I, I used to use the phrase when I was, back when I was covering UFC and working at UFC, um, you know, fighting shines a crystal ball on our character, right? It just, there's, there's nowhere to hide. But the, the thing I would say, the reason, so John Donahue, I agree with him um, on that, you know, we're not the same. Most of us are not the same person off the mat as we are on the mat because in real life, a lot of people, not just in 2020, but a lot of people are wearing masks, right? They're, they're wearing that people, we we have all of these things going on deep in our subconscious. We have things that we actually like that society says we, we shouldn't do, we can't do. There are all these taboos. There are, t- you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of laws and rules. I mean, I think there's just 70,000 or so tax laws alone, right? Just that. So mm-hmm. there's all of these, don't do this, don't do this. And so we have all this cognitive dissonance. A lot of us bury a lot of things in our subconscious, things about ourselves we don't want to face. The interesting thing on the mat is, though, so I would th- say that somebody, most people, the typical person training is more of who they are on the mat than off the mat. Because on off the mat, whether it's work, whether it's whatever role they're in, they have to wear that mask. They're afraid that they're going to lose friends. They're going to be an outcast. They're going to be whatever. They're going to break some rule. And so people have to stay more in that box and play that role off of it on the mat. Because I think on the mat demands every part of you. You cannot be there and be like, well, I'll just give 90% of myself. If you're in a good gym, right? If you're in a Henzo Graces or Robert Drysdale's or an Aliance or Antos with my old friend Andre Galvo there in San Diego or you're training with the Mendez brothers there in California, wherever. There's a lot of ATT, American Top Team. There's a lot of really great schools out there in Brazil and America across the world. But if you're in a reputable gym, you're not going to be like, hey, I'll just go. I'll just bring 80% of myself to the table today. That's not going to happen, right? You have to bring every part of yourself. And every part of us is good, bad, and ugly. It's everything mixed together, right? It's, 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 it's everything. If we're going to bring every part of ourselves, we got to bring every part. We can't say like to Vanderlei Silva, you know, who's a nice – I've walked around the streets of Calgary, of Canada, with Vanderlei Silva, day at the park. We're just hanging out. We're walking around and doing whatever. And, hey, boss, hey, boss, nice guy, warm, fuzzy. Nice guy. He doesn't have, there's nothing Vanderlei Silva is going to get from me. What am I going to give Vanderlei Silva? You know, he's just being nice because he likes to be nice. He's actually can be a very nice guy. When he's in the cage, he's that windmill Tasmanian devil and he's trying to take your head off and he's running at you like you stole something from him, right? And if he didn't, if we said, hey, Vanderlei, you're only allowed to fight with the good parts of you. You're only allowed that, that, that guy, hey, buddy, hey, boss, hey, friend. Hey, my friend, hey, Frank, if the only that guy comes in the cage, he's not going to be, he's not, wouldn't be Vanderlei Silva, the legend, the pioneer, the pride champion. He wouldn't be. He's got to bring 
good, bad, and ugly with them into that cage. And it's and it might not always be nice to watch. It can be a little ruthless. But so on the mats, I would say we have to bring every part of ourselves. If we're training at a good place and we have good training partners, we have to bring every part of ourselves and we're constantly sculpting that. I have never said, and I agree with John Donahue on this and my understanding of what you said, is that I have never said that jiu-jitsu makes us like it produces black belts produce good people. We produce just like regular society. We are a microcosm society. We produce every kind of personality. We have shysters. We have liars. We have people who, who do things they shouldn't do. We have every kind of person. But all I have said and what I maintain a hundred percent, the only guarantee is if you make it to blue belt, if you make it to purple belt, if you make it to brown belt, make it to black belt and beyond. All I'm saying is if you stick with it, it absolutely makes you a better person than you would otherwise be. You are going to be, yes, there can still be some fat in the personality, meaning, you know, fat meaning you got blemishes, you got some ugly side, you got a temper, you got whatever. It just makes you better than you would otherwise be. And that's the beauty of it because that's the power of it. And if you are like what you and I are doing, if you're a conscious person, if you're living with intention, if you're consciously living and saying, hey, I am tired of just being a hamster on the on the a hamster on the wheel and just going through the motions and believing things that I don't even know why I believe them, right? Socrates, I think Socrates or Plato used to say the, the unexamined life is not worth living, right? So mo a lot of people out there, including me, probably most people out there, are living lives and believing in things. And they don't even know why. If you, if, if you ask them to dig deeper and say, hey, let's let's put that under the microscope a little. Let's examine why you think that and why you do that. And they don't know why. Because it's popular, because their tribe said it, because their one guru said it. Instead of putting it and saying, is that really, what are my reasons for really supporting that? And that's what you and I do. We, we're, putting, we're putting some of these things under the microscope. We're examining. We're not saying we have all the answers. What we're examining it. And jujitsu is, you mentioned psychoanalysis earlier, it is a self-examination. It's a self-analysis. It is a daily analysis of, okay, was I that, how coachable was I today? How much did my ego get in the way? Why didn't I tap sooner? Why don't I like training with so-and-so? How come this? Did, what, did I, did I pre-tap there? Did, did I tap way quicker? Why was I... You know, what you have, you, have, you have people out there know they're tapping due to pressure. Somebody gets side control, they're ready to tap due to pressure, right? You see that little meme, that little cartoon, like, I tap to pressure, right? The guy's, the guy's on a date with a girl or something, and he makes some admission, I tap to pressure, and the girl stops liking him because he admits that I tap to pressure. There's all kinds of opportunities for us to look and say, did I beat myself today? Did I have to tap there? Did I... Why am I just playing the same game and keeping it, even in practice, why am I not letting loose? Why am I playing, staying in my safe little zone and doing the same moves over and over and over again? Why am I not branching out? Why am I not making myself more vulnerable? And so there's a constant analysis there. And it's not about, hey, I'm, you're, we, we, everybody on the mats is a great person. But this is another beauty of the mats. And I wrote this down. I was hoping we would talk about this. And I know I'm coming along right the mats are also a meritocracy. To me, the mats are the most meritocratic, one of the most meritocratic places on earth. There's very few places you can go in the world where a lot of a lot of the world is who you know. It's a popular, it's a high school popularity contest. It's not fair. You've got people who don't produce any high quality 
content on the internet, in my opinion, by my definition, low quality, trashy content, killing it, making money hand over fist, putting out junk, putting out sleeves, and they're killing it. Life's not fair. Guess what? On a jujitsu mat or a you know fighting mat, it's about as fair. I'm not saying it's it's not perfect. I'm not saying it's a perfect pure meritocracy. I'm just saying it is it is way 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 more of a meritocracy than almost any other ecosystem. And that's the beauty. It doesn't matter how little money. It doesn't matter. You know, you're gonna get out on those mats what you put in. And a lot of the rest of the world might not be like that. You might, you know, life can be unfair. But you know, Demetrius Johnson was awesome, but people didn't want to watch him, right? He's an awesome technical fighter. The life's not fair. One of the best fighters in the world. People didn't want to watch him. Too small, too this. The matches aren't as close as they should be. Whatever. Too, too clean cut. He doesn't have any personality. Whatever the, 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 the label people pinned on him. But anyway, just to follow up what you said with Donna here, those are my thoughts. Better than you would otherwise be. Every part of you has to come out on those mats and the mats are as much of a meritocracy as any ecosystem out there in a world that that lacks meritocracy, that sadly lacks a lot of meritocracy. That video was only eight to twelve minutes, but and I just looked at it last night, like um, like you know, I'm like, oh, Danaher's on. He's he's left Henzo's um, after twenty five years, so he's no longer the you know uh, the genius in residence. Um, and I, I'm going to be blunt here. That doesn't change anything for me. Um, I, I'm I'm a student of Henzo Gracie, uh, uh, of Henzo Gracie Academy. Um, I appreciate everything that Danaher brought to the academy for all that time, um, and I wish him well. There's no, no, there is not one drop of of sweat's worth of of ill will or bad things with him leaving. It's just time, you know, I mean, he's been out there for 25 years and to change is change is welcome. I think in that regard. Um, and, um, you know, I'll miss speaking to him. Um, cause he's not, he's actually not in New York anymore as well. But, um, you know, I, I have a slight hearing problem and, um, I'm more of a geek player than a nogi and he mainly taught gi classes uh nogi classes in the middle of the workday. um and me as a professional i could never get over there anyways and so um my only benefit was of a derivative benefit but with my training partners um but that dna is in the academy itself and that's not going anywhere by, by um, the way we, 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 sh we should give a, uh, a mention to Gordon Ryan. I met Gordon Ryan. I met his mom in Abu Dhabi a couple years ago at Finland ADCC when he won the submission world championship there. And his dad, you probably saw Noah in the last couple of days, his dad passed. Big, big, uh, big Gordon. And so we want to send our condolences to Gordon Ryan. His dad passed, you know, suddenly. Um, but, uh, yeah, we want to send our condolences to to the Ryan family um, at this time. Yeah, it's very unfortunate to lose a parent. Um, you feel untethered. Um, I know, you know, I, I lost my father um, in the months that I went off to boot camp in the Marine Corps. 
um, like right after I graduated, um, he passed away. Um, and I did not, um, I did not know that he had a very violent, uh, a very, um, uh, lethal form of colon cancer, um, that took him. Um, and I was only 19. Um, and, but you know, so appreciate those you have around that's, you know, death is, um, when it comes, so, you know, in, pretty young in life, um, it's really hard to deal with that. I, I kind of walked through for the next 10 years after that, uh, uh, in a different phase. And then definitely when my mother suddenly passed away, um, I, I, you know, I, I felt like the last, the last, uh, rope that held me to the earth had been, uh, uh, had been cut. So it's like, you know, you feel like your umbilical cord to, to life is cut and severed. Um, so losing a parent is hard. Um, and, um, yeah, I hope a good, yeah. Uh, it's not something, um, but grief, you know, the other thing is there's when you are going through grief, um, don't go alone on that path because, you know, you do need a, you do need a counselor. I, that's something, you know, I'm going to plug the mental health again. It's not something you should go alone with these kind of things, a, a major breakup, a divorce, separation, um, any of these major life events, um, death, if you're going through a disability uh, or any of those things, any of the big things you definitely want to reach out and get some help with. Um, but let me change the topic if I may, uh, just slightly. Um, 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 and I just lost my train of thought. What I wanted to, what I wanted to um, bring up with you. Let me fill in for a second. So, okay. Let me, let me talk about, I'll have that. to butt in in a second when I remember it though. I want to go back to meritocracy and I want to go back to death. So, so, um, my dad, I, I never met my dad. Right? Yeah. So I, I never, I never, did, did you remember what you were going to say? No, 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 go ahead. I'll, I'll let you yeah. know. So I, I never, you know, I never met my dad and that was always part of an identity. I think I know the identity of my dad and my dad was actually a very successful and, and a known person. Um, he had, he had a lot of uh, contact with a lot of big names and elite names and in, in, in the sporting world. And um, the, the gentleman I'm quite certain is my dad was a professional athlete. So, mm. uh, but I had not known that for many, many years. It was kept from me. And that, I, that just devastated my identity, man. Like to just mm. talk about how important it is. Like that, I felt like I was just in the wind. I was just like... You know, and, and, and I'm not saying that because you and I don't, we don't, we're not doing this for a pity party. We're not doing this. I'm not doing the woe is me. And, you know, cause I, you know, I'm a spiritual guy. I personally believe I, me personally, I believe that we, that we sign up for this life. I believe that we have, we live many lives. We live before we live after. And I believe that we signed up for this life. So in other words, I picked, so I can't be in the way that I see the world. At least I can't sit here and cry in my milk. Because I would say, hey, Frank, before you came here, before you were in your mom's womb, you picked this 
life. You picked this journey. You picked this challenge. That's my way of seeing things. If you don't agree with it, that's fine. Yeah. But, but so, so what I'm saying is this is not about pity. This is, you know, I, I say life is a preparation, not a punishment. This is all a preparation. It's not a punishment. I wasn't punished for, you know, whatever. I lost the birth lottery for me. But as it happens, when you're a kid and you come in the world, if you don't know your mom, you don't know your dad, or you only know one of them, or mom's not around and, and, and you don't know who dad is, or dad's not around, mom's not around, that is devastating to a developmental psyche. That is devastating to a kid's psyche. And that may explain part of me, like I was that person, I was that athlete who I needed the accolades, I needed the medals, I needed the championship, I needed the college degree, I needed the writing awards so that I could be kind of be like, look at me, I'm somebody. I needed the attention, I needed the validation. Look at me, I'm somebody now. Look at me, I made it. You know, see, I'm not nobody. Look, I just, I just won this title. I'm at the top of the podium. Mm. I must be somebody now. And okay. that's a very dangerous place to be because number one, it was insatiable. I was never happy. No amount of titles made me happy. Number two, when you yearn for that affection, when you learn, yearn for that validation, when you, you know, the awards that you win, you define yourself that way. You be, we become a slave to other people. We become a slave to their opinions because we're so concerned with what they think, with what they might say, with maybe they'll give us their love or maybe they won't, that we become a slave to their opinions. And that's a very dangerous place to be because the only thing, you know, it's like my view now is as within, you know, as within, so without. Meaning if all is right inside of me, then all is right with the world. When all is right inside of me, all is right with the world, because that will change. You know, you change the way you are inwardly. You change the quantum physics. You change what you see. Everything you see is different because you observe it differently. When we change, how we observe things changes. So that, of course, took many years, but it started with, you know, my, my dad and, and, you know, and, and my home situation and growing up in Baltimore. Other thing, though. Going to meritocracy, just to stay on that. Stephen Thompson, there was a UFC last night. He fought Jeff Neal, UFC on ESPN Plus, whatever. Yeah. And Stephen Thompson, the Wonder Boy, is 37 years old. I think he had lost at one stretch. He had, you know, he he'd been on top. He was fighting for the title. He lost some razor thin fights to to Tyron Woodley, and then he had a you know he had a stretch there where I think he lost like four or five <coughs> like fight, fighting top level competition but this guy who's like this close to being USC champion just to show uh -huh. you just to show people the line between how thin the line is between flying high you're on top and boom you're yesterday's news you're a gatekeeper the line between UFC champion and gatekeeper is thinner than most of us imagine the difference of one year of being on top and whatever well, Stephen Thompson embodied that. It's like, wow, this guy was on top, right? Got the great-looking guy, looks the part, clean cut, and then, boom, loses whatever, four or five. Then he wins a fight. Last night, he's supposed to be the gatekeeper to Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal's knocking everybody out. He's got death touch, very powerful puncher, big puncher. A lot of people picked Jeff Neal to win that fight. The beauty of a cage, the beauty of a mat, the meritocracy, guess what? You know, Stephen Thompson served notice. I'm not the gatekeeper yet, boys. I'm not the gate. I'm not your gatekeeper. I'm a title contender, and the the cage gives you a chance to prove that. The mat gives you a chance to prove that. 
to disprove people as so people say whatever and to show, hey, you know, no, we have a lot of control over that. And and just I'm thankful for an ecosystem that gives us that because, Noah, you know, and I know from our days in corporate America where we've both been in positions where we applied for jobs, right? You've got a great resume. You've got great credentials. I've got a really good resume. I've got some really good credentials. And we both at different times have applied for different positions. And it's like, wow, the phone doesn't ring. We don't get an re email response. You're like, what's going on? Guess what? Life is not fair. And it's not just a lot of getting those jobs. It's not, it's not just a meritocracy. It's not. And so you can have these really good credentials. The phone doesn't ring. The emails don't come in. When the emails do come in, sorry to inform you. Thanks for your interest. But, you know, mm -hmm. we've got other candidates. Blah, blah, blah. And everybody, mostly everybody out there has listened to them. That's, that's the world out there. And, and you're and you're thinking you're you're racking your brains like, well, how can I show them that I'm actually a great pick? How do I show them that? Well, in our ecosystem on the mats, it's like you get your chance. There's time on the clock. You knuckle up and you get your chance and you go yeah. to the tournaments and you get your chance and you go in the cage. and You get your chance. And it doesn't matter how many people said you're not good enough. Sorry, we reject you. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. We don't like your resume. Guess what? you get the chance to say, hey, no, you read me wrong. You read me wrong. So I love that. I love that those opportunities for meritocracy that are built in to the mats and the mat life. I love that. That, that thank you, because that leads perfectly into the uh, topic that I had a, a brief lapse uh, remembering. Um, and I want to pose a question to you. It's more of a thought experiment. Um, and who I would like to ask this to is really um, is um, my gatekeepers for my belt progression. You know, I'm not as wedded to what color my belt is as as I am. Um, I'm more interested. I'm more curious about how can I just get into an environment, place in life where I can train regularly. Okay. That that's that. And, and, and so I don't care. And so my, I'm going to make, I'm going to make an argument for something. And, um, I, I want to tell you that as much as I know that Robert Drysdale, it said that, you know, um, uh, the belts are, is not a record of your attendance per se. I want to make an argument um, about how I perceive it. And that's um, what I'm seeking in my path is as long as I just keep showing up, keep attending class, it in an absolute, all of the other things being equal, ceteris paribus, as we would say, all other things being equal, um, I, I believe in my mindset that I don't have to win on the mat as long as I keep showing up to class because that habit of showing up to class will make me better than the guy who goes 125% red lines three times a week and is broken and out and off the mat for months at a time afterwards. If I just show up, and show up and show up 
I believe that just any level of intelligence of a person, um, they will become better on the mats just by showing up regularly. You don't go 125%. You go, you don't full throttle it. Um, now that's an argument I'm making to you, Frank. Um, and, and, um, um, even though the color of my belt, that, to me, that doesn't matter. I can pour bleach on it, change that, you know, um, to make it a white belt again. Um, what's your thought on, you know, if I just show up to the mat regularly by virtue of just that one thing, you know, and let's say I don't put out and, and you know, what I'm saying is I don't tax myself hard. Yeah. All right. Where I'm not taking risks. I'm, I'm playing a conservative game and just showing up because this is in, in some ways, this is my game. Let, let, I, let me say, let, let me let me say, I think I know what you're saying. I hope that somewhere in this response, I answer it. And yeah, no, no one, no one can invalidate what you said because we're all unique. I mean, we are all truly you show me 7.6, 7.7 billion people, and we're all unique. It's just that because people become programmed and conditioned through different things, through religious dogma, through government stuff, through whatever, social engineering, a lot of people become sort of a herd and they just repeat. They become an echo chamber, right? But deep down, we are all truly unique. We have our strengths and weaknesses. And a, a core piece of wisdom, some of the great philosophers said many years ago, know thyself. Right. Know thyself. And you're different from me and I'm different from you. So as long as that is working for you and you're being true, you know, a friend of mine, you say, well, he'd go on dates and he'd be like, I'm just going to be myself. And I was like, that's just terrible advice. I'm like, be I'm going to be myself like it's terrible advice because there's a lot of people that have a lot of bad habits and they're socially inadequate and their their EQ, their emotional intelligence score is very low. I would say to people, the best advice would be be your true best self, your true highest self that you know of today, that you just know of today, right? And so as long as Noah is coming from a place of Noah is pursuing today to the best of his knowledge, to the best of his ability with the resources available, he's pursuing his true best or highest self that he's aware of. And and as long as you're being true to that, the reality is 99% of us on a jiu-jitsu mat are not going to be on the Mount Rushmore of jiu-jitsu they're never going to be on the podium at world championships, all ages at least, like all ages or black belt, right? And there's still tremendous value. If 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 a hundred million people are training jujitsu, this is probably going to be a better world. And what? How many of those hundred million are going to be world champions, black belt, whatever? I mean, what, a, a, a point zero what? Right? There is still tremendous value and utility. And and the real gold of it is. You know, Jim Rohn used to say, Jim Rohn, the great philosopher, used to speak to, to a lot of business people and work with the herbal life. And he would say, it's, don't ask, what are, you gonna, what, are you, what are you making, right? Like, how much money does the job pay? Ask, what are you becoming? His thing was, it's not about, well, I'm not going to make enough money. I don't like that title. This is a step back. He would say, what are you becoming? What would that job, if you took that job, what would that job force you to become in terms of skill set, in terms of resilience, in terms of character? Same thing with jiu-jitsu. What are you becoming beyond a black belt? We're talking about the intangible qualities of it. 
the character qualities of it. What am I becoming? What is it going to force me to dig deep and become? That's the goal. The black belt is just a symbol. It's a $12. It's worth nothing. It's, tw it's, it's 12 bucks and probably most of that is markup. It probably cost them 90 cents to make the damn thing, right? And they sold it for 12 bucks, 15 bucks now. I mean, so the black belt's just a symbol. It's all of the intangible qualities. I call them a stain on your soul. That's the value. And so, and that's different for each person. Um, there are some people, I've said it, like, you know, Monty Cox, the great, you know, MMA manager for in, in the early years, used to say about fighters, the elite ones, they all have a screw loose. I mean, I can wreck, they all have some demon chasing them or some bully or something, something they, they think they're going to, they're going to show the world. They got a chip on their shoulder. I'm going to show the world they were wrong. I'm going to fight my way to the top. I'm going to be somebody. I'm not going to be a nobody. People have underestimated me. People have bullied me. I'm tired of it. And we were going to show the world. We have that screw loose, that demon chasing us. If you have people that come from a really great family life, I mean, I'm not saying everybody because there, there are people who came from awesome family lives and they're in jujitsu and they're very high level. But in general, you know, the more great your life was, you might not have a need to be a fighter or be an elite one. You might not. You can just go on and do whatever and be happy, you know, but but if you're, especially if you're from the wrong side of the tracks, so to speak, and life kind of dealt you some lemons and, you know, maybe you didn't have the love at home and you're lost and you don't have an identity and you're working through things and you're working through a lot of anger and a lot of resentment. Hey, man, this, it's a fan, it's an especially, it's a, it's for everybody. Jiu-Jitsu is for everybody, but it may be especially useful for the people that feel broken, people that feel lost. It seems like it's especially because then you're like, I mean, I needed it. I needed it, Noah. I needed the mats with all the injuries and all the uncertainty and everything that went on and, and all the exhaustion. And it was like, wow, I was tired at work and whatever. And it was hard. I needed it because like you were saying, it was my therapy. It was, it was, I have things I need to address and I need to fix. And this is, you know, my buddy used to call it church. You know, they used to go train on Sundays way back in the early 2000s when people didn't train on Sundays. It's like, he'd call it church. Mm. And so what, what, to, to, to answer your thing, though, it is very unique. This is a unique journey. And you're right. The value in keep showing up, the value in discipline, the value in the intangible qualities, the integrity, the patience, the resilience, the grit. The, you know, the learning to, um, you know, to be a, to be ultra competitive, but also cooperative because it's a balance of being ultra competitive, but also being cooperative because we want to make our teammates better. We want to be a good teammate. We want to help our teammates. That helps us. So, but, but yeah, this is a very, it's a team sport, but it's an individual sport too. And so as long as you have identified right now, this is the gold for me. This is what I can get out of it. And that will evolve. But as long as that's making sense to you, your why is not going to be the same as everybody else's why. You show me a thousand people on the mat, even though it may seem, I see people all the time, Noah, and you see this on Facebook and on social media. They post pictures of their kids and they'll say, these are my kids. And they'll say, my reason why. These are my reason why. I see that all the time. Now I'm thinking the mind jitsu Frank is like, well, I'm sure you love your kids and I'm sure they're a great motivator and I'm sure their heart melts when they see their kids do whatever. 
And I'm sure that they're, they would die for their kids. But when you go into people's reasons why, they're actually much more multi-layered. Even if kids are a part of that, there's a lot more nuance and detail going on than just my kids. We could peel that onion back. We could peel the layers of that. And we're going to find a lot more to that why. You show me a thousand people, I'll show you a thousand different whys. We just simplify them in terms of, well, my why is this. The whys are very complex. We wrote our order the why, it's different. So you have a unique why, and your why makes sense to you. That is sacred, and no one should mess with that, Noah. Maybe they can refine it. No one has a right from the outside to come in. It doesn't need to make sense to everybody else if it makes sense to you and, it, and it's working for you. If it's propelling you to your truer, higher, and better self that you know of, no one should come and mess with that. That is sacred ground. That is your why. They should work around that why. They should chisel it, but they should not go in. For them to go in and try to mess with it is the equivalent of an instructor trying to teach you Barambolo and say, Noah, my style is Barambolo, so you're 240. Your style should be Barambolo. It's terrible advice. You have your own unique moves that will make sense to your body type, your age, whatever. And people have to respect that and work around that. And so your why is unique. If that why is working for you, it's fueling you, and that why keeps you showing up, then keep peeling back the layers of really analyzing that why and refining it and getting even better at it and getting an even better, more vivid vision of what you're, of what you're here to do of what you're going to do. Over time, you'll get a more vivid vision. But... Don't 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 let anybody kick that why to the curb. That why is precious. You have a unique why. It's working for you. I agree with you. Keep 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 showing up and keep embracing that. Keep keep feeding off that fuel. Yeah, uh, you know, there's. Uh, I, I actually like that. And you 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 saying that, speaking and and saying these things. I I do like you know in our podcast. I want to say something. Um, I like to listen a lot about a lot of the person speaking and, you know, catch me in the right frame of mind, right. You know, frame of mind where I'm at, what I'm thinking. Sometimes I can listen. And as you're speaking, I'm taking different storylines and different thought patterns and different ideas. And I'm, and I'm connecting them and disconnecting and analyzing, comparing and contrasting what you're saying uh, while at the same time trying to understand what you're saying and going on this exploration, you know, taking some exploratory analysis of what you're saying and, and how that fits in with how I think. And just doing that with those two, that's very creative. Uh-oh, crashing there. I'm I'm still a good athlete, brother. I call yeah, it. that was a good catch. So I'm good at catching stuff. And I think that's the when I spoke earlier about um, about the the therapeutic aspects of a long term discussion. Um, you know, with what we're doing here, there is you know, if you listen to what we're doing here, it's helping refine. It's taking something that is so unique there's only one of me in the universe and one of you and the way we think in all of our experiences we're sharing them that way we can mix and speed up in a way 
or I would say not just speed up. It's not just we're trying to get to a destination faster. It's we're it's we're going together and having a more complex, a nuanced, a sophisticated, a ri- a richer, a deeper experience on the mat. Because some people will go to uh, a gym, a lifetime, a 24-hour fitness, etc., and they'll go lift weights or they'll go to an aerobic class. They'll go shower and leave the gym, and that experience is very superficial. If you do jujitsu and you engage it with you engage it with all these things that we're talking about, this you know, who would have thought all the you know all these concepts we're talking about? How did and that relates back to the mat so much? That is. Oh my goodness, that is you more want, than you want to know what's crazy, Noah? That's more than a complex web. This is what's crazy about it, okay? So you have Joe Rogan who's crushing it, who has one of the top podcasts in the world, maybe number one now. It's one of the top ones. And you have UFC is exploding all over the world. And so everybody and their brother knows who UFC is. And you know, a lot of people are, you know, Jocko Willink has a great podcast and he's talking about every every kid should train jujitsu and Kelly Slater is saying it and Anthony Bourdain was training it. He's a great ambassador. And you have all of these influencer black belts that are awesome. And so it's a great time, but think about this is how crazy it is. We're talking about how great of an ecosystem this is for character building, for people building. Let's not forget that not too long ago, as in 15 years ago, People didn't get it. Mm-hmm. That's what's crazy. What's crazy. Uh-oh. I lost you. I can't hear anything, Frank. I lost your vo- I lost your audio. I have no audio from you. I have no audio. There you go. You can hear yeah, me. Yeah, okay. So what, what's crazy is 15 years ago, people didn't get it. And now everybody on, on every street corner you know, there's people talking about the martial arts and how great jujitsu is and wrestling and martial, you know, are for people building and you should get your kids in there. And it's becoming a very widely accepted premise. But what's interesting is when I started, people didn't get it. In fact, they thought that we were prone to being crazy. It just goes to show you how if you just do what the masses are doing, you're going to be behind. If I had waited for society to validate it for me and spell it out for me and make it make sense, I would have not trained jujitsu till I was 50. Right. But I was brave enough. And so were a lot of us. A lot of us were brave enough. Robert Drysdale, Miguel Torres, others. We were brave enough when it wasn't popular, when there was no money in it. And we, we couldn't envision there'd be a day where there'd be money in it. We yeah. couldn't envision a day. We could not envision a day. Most of us, 99% of us training. If you would have told us in 2002, Hey, Bro, a bunch of us jujitsu people could make two hundred thousand a year doing this. We could make more money doing this than the job you're doing now. Most people would be like, "You're crazy!" Like most, if you said, "Hey, a lot of black belts could make more money teaching, running an academy." I'm not talking about 2020 because 2020 has been the curveball on that. But before that, and probably after that, once they do whatever they're going to do with vaccines, whatever, the reality is. There are a lot of, you know, there's a percent that are making really good money. There are people quitting their jobs, opening academies, making a lot of money. Some people are millionaires. That was not, that was so far, like, that was so unthinkable at, you know, at 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. And, but we just got it. Some of us just of our own volition. This is what I'm saying. Guess what? 
it made sense to us. It made sense to our soul. Our friends didn't understand it. Our spouses didn't understand it. Our girlfriends didn't understand it. But it made sense to us. And that's the same thing I was talking about to you, that piece of you. People want to tell you, sanitize it and make you think what's popular or make you think another way. It's like, when that makes sense to you, that seed of that, that why, that why you're doing this and what makes sense to you, your unique journey. You're never going to be the best guy on the mat, but there's these other things, this other why, this other piece of gold that this experience is giving you. Don't let anybody mess with that because imagine if I had let people talk me out of jujitsu in 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. Imagine if I had listened to the way people rolled their eyes or thought things. You know, if I had done what was popular, if Robert Drysdale, yeah. imagine if all of the pioneers had done what was popular and said, you know what, let's not do this. The world doesn't want jujitsu. Mm -hmm. They don't care. We're stupid. We look dumb to them. They come in, they see us like dry humping each other. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, what, what's going on here? And we didn't care that it didn't make sense to other people. We got it. We were a small few on the earth. We were a very small few. And we got it. We, oh, we understand. We can see it. We can see the therapy. We can see the value. We can see the character sculpting. We can see it. We get it. And we stay true, even though we didn't know money, whatever. We didn't know. So anyway, I, I just want to say that about this. This, this is a, you know, now the world is listening to podcasts like this and there's all this value. Let's not forget that just 15 short years ago, 12 short years ago, the world was kicking sand in our face. That's what the world was doing. Oh yeah, we're being we're being validated now, but the world kicked sand in our face for love. The world was like, no way, stupid, foolish, violent, waste of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, get it. Um, we didn't get to another topic that I want to go go back to another day, um, and that's allowing the opportunity to debate things and to be receptive to um, argumentation, and I'm talking about argumentation with a capital A, meaning in a, in a philosophical sense, because uh, not disputatious. I'm not talking about that vile, nasty, cussing at each other, you know, trying to, trying to emotionally damage one another. I'm talking about the beauty of arguing and fighting and fighting without without damage fighting for something that is not uh, is that is a non-destructive way so in a healthy non-destructive way of arguing and fighting for something um because jujitsu does that too that will be a great topic for another day when you and i do another two-man pilot um, I think fingers crossed, fingers crossed. It looks like this coming week, Wednesday, we could have my, my, my friend, Tom D. Jarnett on Tom D. Jarnett was a, a commander of Navy SEAL one. He was been in Navy SEALs forever. And, uh, he's just dropping wisdom. That guy's seen it, you know, he's all, and, um, you know, kind of like Simon Otta, we're going to be very fortunate to pick his brain and just get his views on, um, you know, sort of the warrior poet. Um, ideal and and you know again these guys and these navy seals they're dealing in life and death situations you know you're a marine they're dealing in some very extreme situations there's a mm -hmm. lot to learn from them so fingers crossed um we are going to have tom d jarnett on at some point and it looks like it's going to be this coming week so noah 
I know that you're busy. We we had a few some technical difficulties earlier. Short shorter podcast today, but it's always a pleasure. I think we always say to each other, I believe that we always have gems. We always produce some jewels and some gems in our podcast. I don't care who you are. If you ever bother or care to listen to the whole hour or 90 minutes, I will guarantee you that there's thought-provoking moments in there. There's revelation. There's something of value to everybody. So I appreciate you, Noah, and you go on. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and we'll be in touch, and hopefully we'll get Tommy DeJarnett on uh, Wednesday. Thank you, Frank. Um, I, I do I do enjoy these sessions. <laughs> it's quite therapy sessions, but there are opportunities for us to share ideas and then for our listeners to think through and bring a part of themselves to the podcast as well and engage in the material we're going through. doesn't have to be a whole 100% one-to-one where we're always having something like that going on. Um, but there are, there, are, there are parts of this that resonate in all. Um, and that's what the Everman Jiu-Jitsu, Everman BJJ podcast is about. And so, um, well, aside from Wednesday, which we have a special event, um, you know, we do, we do uh, try to put on this show every Sunday, 4.30 Eastern, 1.30 Pacific. Frank, happy holidays to you. I will see you again soon. Take care. See you soon. Thank you, Noah. Thank you. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.